Welcome to See Through Hobart Online. You're listening to a message in our newest series, Our Highest Pursuit. We hope that you enjoy this message today. Thank you, Steve. Good morning, church. I think Pastor Sean has um, sold me down the river today when he um, contacted me about three months ago. He said, uh, we've got a, a spot for you the end of October. Show day weekend, no one will be here. Grand final day, the night before. You'll be lucky to be preaching to your, the band, the crew, your family, me, Morella. Thought, fantastic, no worries. And the place is packed. <laughs> um, I do get a bit nervous up here. It's not because of um, being short of a word or speaking in front of many, but um, as Pastor Sean alluded to earlier, I do tend to wear my heart on my sleeve and my heart is in every message that I do. It takes about three months for me to um, finish a message, about two weeks of practicing in the man cave. You can ask my wife, every night I go out there and spend 20 minutes to half an hour going through it. So it means a lot to me and the honour and the privilege being up here um, is not anything that I take for granted, so thank you, Sean Morella. Let's open the, the service with a prayer. Father God, we just thank you for your grace and your kindness, and we thank you for your victory on the cross, and we praise you for you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. Pastor Sean asked me to preach on this question, why are you passionate to be a Jesus follower? I'm passionate about following Jesus because of the grace and forgiveness that comes from the cross. 33 years ago, I accepted Jesus as my Lord and Saviour. And over those 33 years, he has shaped me and changed me through the power of forgiving those that have hurt me and coming to the realisation that my worth is found in the cross and not the world or its opinions. I'm passionate about following Jesus and that's why I'm here today to preach the gospel about Jesus Christ because there's no more important job on earth than leading the unsaved to Christ. I get excited by talking about what Jesus can make a difference in your life and I can't wait to do that with you today. I will speak on three points if you're taking notes. Passion, forgiveness and identity in Christ. Passion. Those that know me would describe me as loud, passionate, can be hot-headed. Sometimes I say something and then about five minutes later my brain catches up and realises I probably should have said it differently. But they would also say I have a good heart and it's in the right place even when I muck up. One such time was at work. I had the same boss for 15 years and he was the greatest boss that I've ever had. He knew me well and he knew how to get the best out of me. This particular day, an incident happened in the marketplace that involved an opposition company employee. They were the big kahuna in town, but that's never worried me. We were both vying for the same accounts business, and the individual told blatant lies to win the account, and win it they did. I didn't find out till a few days later when I was expecting a signature on paper to seal the deal, only to be told that we lost it. I was fuming. I have no issue in coming second based on truth and merit, but I do take issue with manipulation and lies to get a sale. 
So I did what any good Christian would do. I called the individual and gave him a serve because on that day he deserved it. I can't tell you the words that I used, but let's just say they're all the colours of the rainbow. A few hours later, his boss called me and threatened legal defamation, legal action for defamation of character. After I explained that it can't be defamation of character when you're telling the truth about someone, I then painted another rainbow for him wasting my time with a petty phone call. Later that day, I returned to the office, and as I did every day for the 15 years that my boss was my boss, I went to his office just to check in with him. Just as he asked me how my day was, his phone rang and he showed me the screen. It was the opposition boss. I smiled and said, take it as it's about me. My boss was talking the guy down. Don't worry, I'll talk to Timmy. It won't happen again, I promise. You have my word. It won't happen again. And while he's talking to him, I'm thinking, I'm going to be demoted, I'm going to be sacked, I'm going to be berated. I would have, I would have copped it all on the chin because I was guilty. He hung up the phone and almost fell off his chair. He laughed so hard. He said to me, Timmy, I agree with everything that you said about them, but you can't say that to them. <laughs> I told my boss everything that happened, and instead of being disciplined or berated, he just said, go out tomorrow and take an account of them. You see, my boss realised that instead of trying to squash passion, he was better off harnessing it. And harnessed it, he did. We read a similar story in the Bible about Saul, who became Paul. Saul referred to himself as a Pharisee born of Pharisees, so he knew the law and he was passionate in defending it, even persecuting the early church. We read in Acts chapter 8, verse 1 to 3 in the Passion Translation, Now Saul agreed to be an accomplice to Stephen's stoning and participated in his execution. From that day on, a great persecution of the church in Jerusalem began. All the believers scattered into the countryside of Judea and among the Samaritans except the apostles who remained behind in Jerusalem. God-fearing men gave Stephen a proper burial and mourned greatly over his death. Then Saul mercilessly persecuted the church of God, going from house to house into the homes of believers to arrest both men and women and drag them off to prison. So there's Jesus. He's just descended into heaven after his time here on earth and he's sitting at the right hand of God, relaxing, and you know, thinking, okay, I'll just have a rest for a while. And he looks down at earth, and there is Saul persecuting his church in its infant stage. So instead of taking him out with a fork of lightning or a, have, having the earth swallow him whole or a, or a stampede of donkeys to trample him to death, Jesus had a different plan. And we take it up in chapter 9, verse 3 to 7. So he obtained the authorization and left for Damascus. Just outside the city, a brilliant light flashing from heaven suddenly exploded all around him. Falling to the ground, he heard a booming voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? The men accompanying Saul were stunned and speechless. 
for they heard a heavenly voice but could see no one. Saul replied, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus the victorious, the one you are persecuting. Now get up and go into the city where you will be told what you are to do. Then we skip to verses 17 to 20. Ananias left and found the house where Saul was staying. He went inside and laid hands on him, saying, Saul, my brother, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road, has sent me to pray for you so that you might see again and be filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. All at once, the crusty substance that was over Saul's eyes disappeared and he could see perfectly. Immediately, he got up and was baptised. After eating a meal, his strength returned. Within the hour, within the hour, he was in the synagogues preaching about Jesus and proclaiming Jesus is the Son of God. Passion is good. God is the God of second chances. What was intended to destroy the church, God used to build the church. He harnessed Saul's passion, renamed him Paul, and then Paul took the message of Jesus to all parts of the then known world. Was Paul trained to preach about Jesus? No. Did he see Jesus perform all the miracles? No. He was transformed by the power of the Holy Spirit and then God used what Paul was born with to spread the gospel. We don't need to be perfect. We don't need to have worldly qualifications to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. All we need is a heart for him. We all have passion in our lives, and when we know who we are in Jesus and that he loves us unconditionally, it is then that we realise we are a child of the King, and that passion comes out of us. Passion isn't being out front or on stage. It's about digging in when it gets tough. As, Stuart, as Sean alluded to earlier with, with Stuart Anderson and his team, come here every Wednesday night if you want to see passion walking around the building praying for our church. That's passion. When you serve in the house of God in any role, that's passion. I get to see passion every Friday night at the house when my daughter Emily comes here to help lead the youth. Try telling her that she can't come for a family commitment and she'll argue with you till she's blue in the face. Forgiveness. 1 Samuel 17, 23 to 28. As he was talking with them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, came out from the Philistine ranks. Then David heard him shout his usual taunt to the army of Israel. As soon as the Israelite army saw him, they began to run away in fright. Have you seen the giant? the men asked. He comes out each day to defy Israel. The king has offered a huge reward to anyone who kills him. He will give that man one of his daughters for a wife and the man's entire family will be exempted from paying taxes. David asked the soldier standing nearby, what will a man get for killing this Philistine and ending his defiance of Israel? Who is this pagan Philistine anyway that he is allowed to defy the armies of the living God? And these men gave David the same reply. They said, Jesus, that, sorry, they said, yes, that is the reward for killing him. But when David's oldest brother, Eli, heard David talking to the men, he was angry. What are you doing around here anyway, he demanded. What about those few sheep you're supposed to be taking care of? I know about your pride and deceit. You just want to see the battle. One of the biggest passion killers in your life is bitterness that comes from unforgiveness. 
We all experience hurt and we feel justified in not forgiving the perpetrator, but in the end, it only makes matters worse for ourselves. The Bible is very clear about dealing with forgiveness. Matthew 6, 14 and 15. And when you pray, make sure you forgive the faults of others so that your Father in heaven will also forgive you. But if you withhold forgiveness from others, your Father withholds forgiveness from you. As I mentioned earlier, Jesus has shaped my life over 33 years and there's been no bigger contribution to that for me than forgiving others. Forgiveness is a trained response, nothing more, nothing less. The more you do it, the easier it gets. Jesus carried all our hurts on the cross and when we choose to carry them instead of him, like withholding forgiveness, then we are saying that Jesus can't possibly deal with our hurts. And that is wrong. I'm no theologian, but the Bible never lies. Passion is choosing to honour God in all things, even when it hurts, like forgiving. Bitterness will make you spiritually and physically sick. You spend all this time and energy dwelling on past hurts, and for what? It won't even add a single second to your life. Do you think that the millions upon millions of people that have lost loved ones without forgiving them are glad that they didn't? When you release someone through forgiveness, God releases a blessing on you. David's brothers kept him down, but he knew who he was in God and stepped out of that shadow. He stood on the promises of God and slayed the giant. What happens when the same giant is taunting us saying, you're no good, you're blemished, for what you did 20 years ago. When you forgive others and yourself and you let it go, you have the victory in Jesus Christ. You then become the giant killer for those that are being taunted. God will use the victory he won over your life to share with others going through a similar thing. He will use you to set others free in Jesus' name. Instead of carrying all that weight, you'll be carrying the promises of God for people's lives. And that's so much more important. Letting the past go and letting the hurt go is much more valuable than holding on to it. Being passionate about Jesus is being passionate about forgiveness. Thanks, John. Identity in Christ. Tomorrow I start a new job. It's been 18 years since I've had the butterflies and anxiety with a new job. The voice in my head for the last six weeks has been, what if? You're no good. You'll fail. Why is it so that we are prepared to believe the worst about ourselves? Whatever the world, circumstance or history tells us about ourselves, we tag ourselves with that instead of tagging ourselves with the blood of Jesus Christ. The Lord moves in mysterious ways. This week, the group of men I do a Bible devotion with, a brother here in this church sent through a devotion and God reminded me who I am to him through this devotion. In Numbers 6, 24 to 26, this really hit home. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. 
the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Knowing our love language, our spiritual gifts and our motivational gifts certainly helps discover how God made you. And I encourage any of you who haven't done this to do so as it reveals why you are the way you are. Knowing who we are in Christ is so important and ultimately it comes down to loving yourself as Jesus does. It's so easy for us to believe the worst about ourselves, to not feel worthy of God's love. Satan uses this as he wants to keep us down with sin because he knows that a boy can kill a giant with God in his life. One of my favourite days of the year is Anzac Day. Attending the dawn service each year is truly wonderful. This year we stood at the end of our driveways due to COVID. While the setting was different, the flames still burned. The last post still brought tears to my eyes when I thought of the sacrifices people have made for our country. I love watching the stories on TV about the Anzacs and one such story in 2016 made me smile. A man named Wally in 1946 was discharged from the army at the age of 21. From that year on, he was an Anzac Appeal volunteer, a charity set up to help veterans and their families. 70 years straight, he never missed the opportunity to stand outside a supermarket and rattle the tin to collect money for the charity. The reporter asked why he's done it for so long without missing a single year. And Wally simply replied, I do it so that those who need help can get it. What a legacy. In Mark 11, there's the story of Jesus going to the temple and throwing the tables and benches around as they weren't honouring God with their offering and sacrifice. In the Passion Translation, verse 16, it says that Jesus wouldn't allow them to use the temple courts as a thoroughfare for carrying their merchandise. What kind of legacy are we going to leave behind? Are our lives just going to be a thoroughfare? Or are they going to be one where we get up every day and rattle the tin for Christ? Are we all in? Or are we getting splinters in our backside from sitting on the fence? Scripture says that our bodies are a temple for the Holy Spirit. Living a mundane life for God will not get people saved. I'm not talking about money. I'm saying, is it enough to just accept Christ as your Lord and Saviour and see out our days here on earth, keeping your head down so you won't get noticed or asked to contribute to ministry? Being passionate about Jesus is giving your best to Him. But we get worried about how we look, how we speak, and how we are perceived by our peers. We have a thought process that we have to be right in our eyes to give God our best meaning, not obviously sinning, if that makes sense. We're never going to be without sin, obvious sin or internal sin. We live in a sinful world. In fact, in 1 John 1 verse 8, it says, if we claim we have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in the truth. My grandfather, Bobber got me through the first 13 years of my life. He was a beautiful, loving man, the greatest grandfather ever, and I can say that because he did his job loving his grandchildren. 
He loved me unconditionally. And when I needed a hand on the shoulder or a word of wisdom or encouragement to straighten me up, he was there. We don't all have a bobber in our lives, but we can have something so much better and perfect. Jesus loves us unconditionally. And when we step out in faith for him, he walks alongside us. He loves us and he wants so much to know who we are in him. There are people in our lives who need a gentle hand, a word of encouragement. They need us to stand like David did because they're being held down by a giant. John the Baptist was not physically appealing. He didn't have a beautiful house or hundreds of friends. He ate locusts and honey and his stage was more like the smelly Orioton Lagoon. But he gave his best and that was his heart. And God honoured him by bringing Jesus to him to be baptised. Have faith in God and trust him in his word. God doesn't break his covenant or his word. Take off all the tags you've been carrying on your life and replace it with chosen by God. God chose you by sending his son Jesus to die on the cross of Calvary for your sins once and for all so that death would no longer be the victor. Be a passionate follower of Jesus. Be passionate about forgiving those that have hurt you. Be passionate about forgiving yourself and be passionate about knowing who you are in God. I could ask you all to bow your heads and close your eyes. If this message has spoken to you today about a tag that you've had on your life, a tag that may read, I don't know Jesus, but I want to, then I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I'll acknowledge it, and then you can put it down. Is there anyone here today that would like to do that? Thank you. I see your hand. Thank you. I see your hand. Is there anyone here today? else that would like to do that thank you Jesus, thank you Lord I would like to close with a psalm then I'll pass to Pastor Sean, Psalm 27 4, here's the one thing I crave from God, the one thing I seek above all else I want the privilege of living with him every moment in his house finding the sweet loveliness of his face filled with awe delighting in his glory and grace I want to live my life so close to him that he takes pleasure in my every prayer. Amen. Thanks for joining us today at C3 Hobart Online. If you were impacted by this message or you'd like to know a bit more about our church and what we do, you can get in touch with us via our website, c3hobart.org.au. See you next time.